Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan from The Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. Well, hello, my friends. Today is another episode coming at you with Alinka Rutkowska who is the CEO from Leaders Press, and she's going to talk all things about how to get your book into the world, how to help you write, how to help you get a bestseller, and what are the keys to a bestseller, why do people read the things they read, why do they go to the store and buy your stuff, and if you're an artist or a creator or making things for the world, I know we want to make things that make us happy, and we do it for the joy, and we do it for the juice, as Stephen King said, you do it for the, the juice. It can't just be about the money. But it is nice when people do buyer stuff. And so Alinka is going to give us a master class in how to understand what people want, why they buy certain things, what makes for a good book, what makes for good art. And so whether you're you're writing or you're publishing or whatever art form you're you're doing, whatever work you're doing, I think you're gonna find a lot of value in this episode with Alinka. And so buckle your seats, my friends. I hope you are doing well. I hope that you are making the things, doing the things, putting one step in front of the other, one word after the other, one page after the other, one paragraph. Uh, I was thinking about that uh, recently is sometimes we just get stuck. We get the resistance comes, as Stephen Pressfield says, we just can't get the work out. We just can't, we don't feel motivated. And I was trying to encourage someone the other day, just saying, you know, all we have to do is just one word after the other, one sentence after the other, one paragraph after the other. Just take one little step. And sometimes it's just that little step that kind of opens up the dam and allows us to create and do what we want to do and do the generous thing and share our work and tell our story. So hope you're encouraged today. Hope you find this episode encouraging. And I, without further ado, want to share this conversation with Alinka Rutkowska. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. So thankful today to have Alinka Rutowska on the show. 
And uh, we had uh, some sickness and illness, at least I did. And uh, she was gracious enough to reschedule with me. And so I have been looking forward to this uh, interview for a while because one of the reasons is because I love uh, what Alinka does and she helps writers uh, write their books and write bestsellers and get their stories out into the world. And uh, anyone that does that is a friend of mine. So, um, so Alinka, why don't you say hello and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit of what you're up to in the world. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. Super excited to be here and chat about books. What I do is I help mainly entrepreneurs um, turn their book ideas into bestsellers, get them on the list, such as USA Today, Wall Street Journal, get them into bookstores and uh, become happy campers who get to share their uh, wisdom with the world, increase their authority, their credibility, and uh, get a lot more doors to open for them. No, I love this because I was reading a little bit about your company and what you do and the people you work with. And it seems like the people you work with, which is kind of a writer thing. And even if you're not a high level executive or entrepreneur is finding the time to write. So it sounds like kind of your niche a little bit is saying, okay, here's these busy people. They're building companies. They're starting stuff. They're, you know, have families, responsibilities. How, how do I find time to actually get my words out there and my book and my ideas out there? Well, that's the you know, crucial thing. How do you find time? You need to make time. And uh, if you have an entrepreneurial mindset, then you think differently from most people and you realize that uh, time is finite. So what you can do is outsource the things, especially the things that you're not a pro at. So if you have great ideas and you have a lot of wisdom to share, but you're not a writer, then what really makes sense to do is to get your book ghostwritten. And uh, many of the great, great books that we love have been ghostwritten. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so uh, that's ahead. the thing. So, yeah. So you've done obviously some writing and uh, helped a lot of writers and publishing and all kinds of things. So, so let's throw it in reverse a little bit. Let's talk a little bit. How did you get into uh, this line of work and kind of this uh, way of helping, you know, very specific kind of people, entrepreneurs, business folks? Um, I mean, it sounds like you work with a lot of people, but um, yeah. How, how did you kind of say, this is kind of what I want to do, how I want to help people talk a little bit about your story, getting into writing and publishing. Well, I got in through passion. I really enjoyed writing at school and, I put together a school magazine when I was a teenager. So that was my first entrepreneurial and publishing project. And then I uh, studied business. I climbed the corporate ladder. And at a certain point, I just thought maybe there's more to life than that. And I wrote my first book. That book did really well. It, uh, the royalties from the book exceeded my corporate salary. So I left my corporate job and um, I went full-time into publishing First, my own books, then helping other people one-on-one and then structuring it all by putting together Leaders Press and these elegant solutions where we help entrepreneurs get their books out. And why entrepreneurs? Because uh, I love entrepreneurship and really, um, you know, you need to position yourself in a certain way. So for us, in in order to have a unique selling proposition and... um, do what we're passionate about. Um, we decided to focus on entrepreneurs. And um, I think it makes a lot of sense because that's where the biggest ROI is. If you're going to do a book, you really shouldn't be doing it for the royalties because the royalties 
um, you would really need to be doing books and only books too and be really successful. But if you're an entrepreneur and you have a business and you add a book that's a lead generation tool for you, then you don't need to rely on royalties because what you do is that book becomes your business card and uh, you're basically able to grow your business through the book. So that's really one of my favorite ways of helping entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is really smart. I <clears throat> would want to tell every writer, author is, yeah, there's other avenues, other streams of income. I think sometimes we think of the book as that's the main thing, but the reality is it's, here's what I do. Here's who I am. Tells a little bit of your expertise. Um, and it leads to also other streams of income. Um, I think it's really smart because I, I know so many people that have you know got speaking gigs and um, other jobs, other other opportunities just through the book because they had some kind of expertise in a particular area. And so it's like, yeah, seeing it as one thing, yes, and, and you will get money from it, but also what are the other avenues, streams of income you can you can find and 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 get your story out there and who you are and and all those things. No, I lo- I love this. So so tell me a little bit. One of the things I was thinking about is um obviously you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh they're busy. They're starting companies, they're starting businesses, they're doing all kinds of stuff, trying to find the time. Um, you're offering a ghost writing solution to help them uh, with the busyness. Um, what are some of the the obstacles that when someone comes to you with an idea and they say, okay, I got this idea for this book, uh, what are some of the challenges or obstacles that they bring uh, to the table? I mean, whether that's, I don't have the time, whether that's, I'm not good at writing. Like, What are some of the things you've kind of heard from your clients uh, as far as I can never do this, I can never, but I really want to get it out there. Uh, talk us through that a little bit. Well, the two that you mentioned are really a perfect fit for us that I don't have the time. I'm not good at writing. This is, this is who we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have the time uh, and um, well, I, I totally get that. Uh, we are able to help in just 15 hours. So that's the interview time that we need to interview the author. And uh, I don't know how to write. Well, perfect. <laughs> you don't have to know how to write. That's what ghostwriters are for. So that really is uh, one of the reasons to work with us as opposed to objections. And then, you know, there's a bunch of objections as well. Um, but we're, you know, when you understand what somebody's why is, why they want the book out, and when they realize what they're missing when they don't have a book, then it's pretty evident that you need to get that book out. Because, you know, just think about all the people you're not reaching um, because there's no book that you've authored. You know, when somebody has a problem, they're looking for a solution, they start searching online. Amazon is a search engine. So if you don't have a book and your competitors have a book, um, you're you know losing all that that whole segment to your competition. If you come out with a book, now you're going to get a piece of that. So, uh, so I hear you saying there's you know the time element, the I don't know how to write kind of thing. Um, what are like what are the some of the things that you tell them to kind of encourage them? Because I think I'm always amazed how we we actually are better writers than we think we are because we do it a lot more you know just in our daily lives more than you know we've been doing it all our lives, you know emails speeches, talks, whatever, blogs, you name it, right? Um, what are some things that you kind of like, do you help them kind of demystify that? Do you encourage them? Or do you just say, we're taking over? <laughs> you don't need to write. We're good. Well, we'll, we'll get you there. Or do you kind of help them kind of say, hey, you, you can do this, or you can at least get your ideas across? Well, it depends on who they are and what their skills are. 
Um, we don't always work from idea to bestseller. We can work from manuscript to bestseller. So in that situation, we evaluate the manuscript. And in some rare occasions, um, we get an excellent um, evaluation. So like, you know, 10 out of 10. And then we said, this is perfect. We just need a light edit and we'll publish this for you. Get it onto the bestseller list. Like you're done. But if we do an evaluation and, and we get a four, okay, and that's the editor. Like I don't, I don't do that. We have a professional team of editors and a four out of 10 comes back. We say, look, you'd probably do much better if we just threw this out and interviewed you from scratch because mm-hmm. working on this would be even more work and even more and super frustrating. So let's, let's just get it done right. And, uh, you know, we have worked with people who've been writing for 10 years, hires coaches, and I'm sure those coaches were super happy because the best clients are, you know, the slow learners with money, right? Mm-hmm. So those super slow learners that were paying for 10 years for this coaching never got anywhere. Um, and they came to us and we said, look, if you have all this material, it's all over the place. There's no structure. Uh, let's just get this done from scratch. And in less than a year, that book was out. And the author said, I can't believe it. 10 years of coaches didn't get to any result. And now I'm a bestselling author and I really only had to show up to the interviews. So in some situations, it's better to acknowledge, Hey, let's uh, give the reader a great experience. And by a great experience, that means getting a professional to write the book. You're the author, you're um, sharing your wisdom but uh, I even like to say, you know, let's respect the reader and give them the best possible writing rather than, you know, um, you trying to torture yourself to do something you're not good at. And then the, torturing the reader, try to, to forcing them to read this thing that's almost unreadable. Um, I think everybody's happier when, you know, the book is the book is great um, in the final form. Now, what, what is, uh, I've had a couple of ghostwriters on uh, the show a couple of times, and I'm always curious, how do you keep the voice intact? So the voice of the author, the ideas where it's not just, you know, someone else, I mean, someone else obviously is writing it for them in, in a lot of cases, but yeah, is there any like strategy or tactic of like, how do you kind of keep the, the essence, I guess, of the story of the person, like that it feels like it's them or it feels like it's their story, not just someone else kind of writing i don't know if that question makes sense but um it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah so it's like if there's like a you know they may want to write in kind of a formal tone or maybe they want to write in a more casual tone or you know whatever is there a way that the writers are able to kind of help them work through that or just as they kind of get on the page yes yeah i mean that's exactly what they do so when we first get started we want to understand well, what do you want this book to sound like? Do you want it to be formal, informal, funnier, uh, you know, serious? Mm-hmm. And we deliver several samples, okay, like this, like that, you know, a little more of this, a little less of that. Uh, and some authors, um, you know, their language might be pretty casual, but they want the book to sound more academic. Or they might have an academic style of speaking or writing, and they want the book to be mass market for anybody to read. So these are all things that we need to agree on. When I did my first book, I, I wanted it to sound more impressive than the way I was writing. And I, and I got somebody to, you know, make it look like that. So these are all personal preferences. So that voice, not everybody wants um, that voice to come out, so to speak. So some people just want to 
sound more impressive that, than they actually do. And uh, we respect that. So we can uh, keep your voice, make it you know, sound the way you want it, the way you sound. So we, we can make it sound the way you sound, or we can make it sound differently, but the way that you want that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. So in your, in your experience, like you've obviously gotten a lot of books out, bestseller list, um, getting out into the world. Um, is there like a, uh, a certain kind of book that you, you feel like resonates with people, like a certain kind of tone, like kind of similar to the last question. Um, is it, is there, you know, the more casual style, the more stories, the more, or is that not, is that kind of irrelevant? I mean, when you think of like people that are consuming books, I mean, is there certain things in the book that you think are important to have in there or is it just kind of whatever works, whatever, you know, for that person or that story? Two things that I find are really um, successful. One is if you're doing a book and you're talking about your business or you're talking about your life, you want stories or case studies inside. So if there's like a theory, you know, I'm going to share my system, I'm going to share my framework. The more case studies you have, the better. People really love those. Is stories sell. <laughs> and then the second thing that we find that's really uh, popular is we do anthologies. So whenever you can compile a bunch of people. So if you're like a podcaster and you're going to say, I'm going to share everything that I've learned from all these people I interviewed, then that's a really great strategy. We've done anthology anthologies on various subjects like persistence, habits, mindset, leadership. And uh, we launched these to the USA Today bestselling uh, list. And they're really well read and reviewed and people really like those. So these are the two, you know, maybe insider tips that you don't really think about when you're doing a book because you're probably thinking me, 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 my story, my story. How do I convey it? Thinking about the reader, what they want to read, and they really like case studies and they really like variety. So in your in this, I mean, you've been doing this a while, and obviously you've been in the exec, uh, corporate world and, and had a lot of experiences. What would you say right now is some of the common? topics or themes that you see, see coming across your desk as far as, you know, there's certain themes like people want are wanting to write about right now, especially like in entrepreneurship. I mean, is there certain, is it leadership? Is it how to build a company? Is it all the above? I mean, is there anything that kind of jumps out at you when you think of like themes or topics? Yeah, they're recurring. And um, I had a talk about this with a Hollywood producer who said like, there are really only like seven or so myths, like coming from mythology um, that are still like recurring on um, that cell. And uh, like the topics that I mentioned that we do for uh, anthologies, like those are the ones, because uh, that's how I, that's how I decide what we're going to do an anthology on. So I just look at what's selling and what is selling and has been selling for a while is habits. Okay. Anything related to habits, mm-hmm. uh, mindset, you know, that stuff really sells. Uh, leadership in general, um, you obviously need to have an angle for all of these. Um, anything related to success for the entrepreneurial crowd, I really like that. But again, these are the major, like, okay, so I know habit sells. Yeah, the books on habits sell, but you know, you can't just put anything out there. You really have to think really carefully what it's going to be. Um, so I think things that uh, 
uh, can people, you know, the, the rags to riches story. So if you can sort of um, sneak that in, you know, and in all of those books, that all of those topics that I mentioned, you have that. So you can say, you know, I didn't have any habits, started having habits, became successful. I didn't have the mindset, started working on my mindset, became successful. I wasn't thinking like a leader. I started thinking like a leader and became successful. So the, the rags to riches theme throughout those themes that I mentioned, uh, we all love the, that story. No, that's good. Yeah, I think I think that does. I like what you said about the seven myths. You know, the the is that Campbell's seven myths or whoever. Um, it it's that common story narrative theme, right? It's that rags to riches. How many films? How many novels have been written about that with that theme, right? But it's it's unique because it's that person, it's their situation, it's their company, it's their background. So it's always unique. It's not like oh, that's been done before, but it's um, it, it's true to who they are and and what was going on in their lives. I, I find that too. Like when I read memoir, it's just there's so many interesting like why do why are we so intrigued with people's lives even the people we don't really know but it's just we all resonate right we resonate with failure and we resonate with success and everything in between um no i love that so um anything you've seen kind of um this is probably more like a publishing kind of thirty thousand foot uh question uh anything any shifts you've seen kind of in the publishing industry and i know you're helping a lot of writers get you know bestsellers and things but um it, this is kind of just a general question, but yeah, as far as like publishing goes, I mean, are books still selling? Is there other mediums that we should be looking at? I mean, I, I'm always curious about those that are kind of in the publishing kind of realm um, and it's always changing and evolving, but like right now, any big shifts uh, you see happening? Something that we've noticed is um, that small books are becoming popular. Mm. It's like something you can consume in half an hour, even 15 minutes. And Amazon has a category for those just based on the time that's necessary to read them. And we do these books for entrepreneurs who want a lead generation tool. So we were saying that Amazon is a search engine. And when you're doing a search um, because you have a problem and you want to find the solution, you're going to buy the book no matter how fat it is. Actually, the slimmer it is, the better, because you're going to get your answer sooner. And the entrepreneur um, that's thinking strategically would create that book and then have a link inside so that the reader can continue their journey with them. And uh, that's a fast thing that we can do just based off of one interview and those books sell um, are very popular because, you know, it's this bite-sized thing and, and you can get your answer. And are uh, books still selling? Yes, books are still selling. And actually, if you think about, um, you know, the history of printing since Gutenberg, uh, books haven't disappeared and, you know, any, any time during, during history, even when they were burning them, they still, still <laughs> survived. And think about some of the social media platforms that have existed in the last years. Like, remember MySpace? Mm-hmm. If you left your life story on MySpace, nobody's ever going to find it. But if you wrote a book and even self-published it, print on demand, uh, I don't think, you know, uh, that's going to go anywhere in the next decades or centuries. So if you have a book in paperback form, it will be really difficult for it to, to disappear because the clay tablets that have been, you know, done uh, so many years ago, many of them, you know, still have access to them. So I think that's a medium that is one of the safest um, if you want to tell your story. 
I, I like this. The, the, I tell writers a lot and publishers that, you know, legacy does matter and there's this great opportunity to leave a legacy. And I think, you know, yeah, you could leave a website, but having, <laughs> having a book, uh, you know, to hand down even to your kids, your grandkids, and a little bit of who you are and what you did and what you were about is, yeah, I don't think those are going away. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think well, it's just for the website, somebody has to pay for hosting every year. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Leave that to your family. Sorry, guys. You have to uh, pay 30 bucks a month to keep my, my legacy alive. Um, now you, going back to the, the short books, um, I'm interested by this cause I've, I have a couple of little short books that sell really well. I'm always surprised by that. Like even audiobooks that are like 30 minutes and they just get gobbled up. Um, do you, when you meet with an author, um, or entrepreneur or writer, um, client, uh, do you, do you think about the size of the, and scope of the book? I mean, do you guys try to keep it in a certain kind of length or is you just kind of let the story be what it needs to be? Or um, is there any kind of strategy behind that? Yes, we focus on two main sizes, so to speak. And one is the full-length book, which is about 50,000 words. And that's the type of book that we call the you know standard, regular size, full-length book that we distribute through our distribution partner, Simon & Schuster. So that's something that is you know bookshelf-worthy, warehouse-worthy. Uh, we want this uh, to go through the traditional channels. Um, but that comes with a wait time because when you're going through the traditional distribution distribution channels, things are slower. And then the second size is that bite size, you know, 50 page book or booklet. Um, that's a short read and uh, it's great for lead generation. So it depends on your goals. If you want a lead generation tool and you want it now, you do the short book. If you want a substantial book, um, you know, that you would want to hit the USA Today bestselling list with and get into bookstores, have the Simon & Schuster logo on it as well, then you would go for the big book. And uh, we don't really do anything in between because we find that these are the ones that really do well. So this, uh, this is kind of a hard question, um, but you've obviously put out a lot of bestsellers and I've, I've asked this to some other publishers and writers that have bestselling books. Is there a commonality when you look at and again, I don't know how much research you've done, or I mean, I imagine you guys have probably looked at different details, but is there like a commonality between the the books that do really well and the ones that don't um, as far as mass appeal, getting in the hands of a lot of people? I mean, there are certain things that you're trying to, I know you've mentioned like case studies and things, but like, is there certain things that you go like, this is why these books work. This is why this book doesn't. Um, Cause obviously you've probably seen some bad books too. And we all have, <laughs> but um, is there certain like, like, principles, commonalities, details that, that kind of are in every book, um, no matter what? I think there's three things. One is um, you want your book to look like it came from the same place as the other best-selling books in your genre. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do some research and you're going to look at the top-selling books, and you're going to look at their covers, you want your book cover to look like it was designed by the same team that designed those bestsellers. So you really want to fit in there. And you also want to stand out. So you have to give the reader a reason to get your book and not the ones next to it on the shelf. So that's the first thing you, you start with the end with in mind. So you write the book by doing your market research first. You don't just uh, have your heart book, write out whatever, you know, you feel needs to go out and then publish it. <laughs> The other way around, so you write to market. So that's the first thing. The second thing for sure is the 
um, let's call it celebrity status of the author. So if you're already well-known and have a following, then that book is obviously going to do better than if you're, if you don't have that status, because it's like with, you know, the actor um, that uh, goes and does a cereal commercial and everybody goes and buys that cereal uh, like that actor might have never tried that cereal. They're not a doctor to recommend it or anything. It makes no sense, but just because it's them, you know, the book is going to sell. So you want to see uh, what type of authority the author already has, because that is a big factor. And then number three is the marketing that's behind it. So, you know, it's not just how good the book is. The book doesn't even have to be all that good. It's better if it is, but you can um, create a campaign for a book that's so-so and, and get it to, you know, a really high ranks of bestsellers. And uh, I would say that 99.9%, if not 100, okay, I don't want to say 100, but 99.9% of the books that do really, really well and that are on the bestseller list have a structured campaign behind them. I like that. So you got to tell us one story of failure and what you learned from it. And also share a great story of success uh, when you think of like an author or maybe someone came to you, just terrible idea, maybe reworked it, became a great book. But share some story. So kind of where, where you maybe failed and, and tweaked and tried to figure something better out the next time. And then kind of give us a little success story. In publishing? Yeah, anything. Writing, publishing, life. Go for it. Yeah. So as far as the failure story is concerned, I just had a webinar on that and uh, I was explaining my first uh, USA Today launch that I did as part of an anthology with 25 other authors. And so we pre-sold 2000 copies and then Amazon canceled all those pre-orders. And when I wrote to them, hey, what's happening? Why did you cancel the pre-orders? They said, no, no, we didn't cancel the pre-orders. Your book is live. So the book was live, but they still canceled the pre-orders. I had screenshots, but they didn't reinstate it. I I was going back and forth with them. I got somebody saying, Mr. Bezos is reviewing your case. (laughs) But still, they, they never gave them back. So that was a moment when I said, oh, my gosh, is this the end? Like I got all these people to do this campaign with me to mail to commit to a ad spend and, you know, who all had this dream of becoming USA Today bestselling authors. And here we use, we lose 2000 sales. So that was crazy. Um, so I didn't really know what to do. I mean, it was a really tough moment, uh, but we didn't give up. So we decided to pull, pull our, pull up our sleeves and continue the promotion and the marketing. And we started marketing the fact that, Hey, you never know. Amazon might uh, cancel your pre-orders or, you know, your sales. And when we started getting people back in, um, we asked them to buy the book again and then come and join the webinar where we explain what happened, why that happened, how that could happen to them, how they could avoid that. So we used it as a marketing tool. And uh, however, the success really was a result of that failure because because of that we started experimenting things 
you could call it research and development. And we came up with a strategy that allowed us to get 198 offers on the USA Today bestseller list so far. So really out of uh, one of our darkest moments came one of our most popular services uh, because, you know, hundreds of authors have already gotten on the list with us and we would never have figured that out if we hadn't had that failure. Oh, that's, I love that. Cause that's, yeah, Amazon, well, I'm not saying anything negative about Amazon. They've helped me out a lot, but, um, <laughs> but you have the, uh, sometimes the customer service isn't great to kind of get that figured out. You don't get responses and things, but yeah, using the failures. Um, yeah, I've had pre-order failures, uh, as well. And, uh, but to say, okay, how can we do this differently the next time? Um, and that, you know, it's probably a lot of the authors you're working with, with entrepreneurship and the things they've learned along the way, mostly probably from failure. Like you said earlier, you know, not having habits or not having the leadership abilities or, you know, trying to figure out how to actually do this, this work and, and falling on your face a few times before you figured it out. So, uh, well, Linka, so as we kind of get to the end of this interview, uh, there's a question I always like to ask our guests is, you know, when you think about your life, when you think about publishing, writing the work you've been doing, um, what are kind of like the, the three, what you say one to three kind of truths that you'd want to give people that are listening, you know, whether they're thinking about writing a book, whether they're, uh, they've written books, wherever they are in their creative kind of journey, like what would be the, like the three encouragements you'd want to give to them, um, as they're listening. So the three encouragements I'd like to give is number one, who's going to tell your story. Okay, so think about that. Uh, We're all here now. One day, this planet will be populated by a completely different set of people. Who's going to remember you and who's going to tell your story? And so that's number one, to make you think why you should get it out. Two, um, go to a bookstore or go to Amazon, take a look at the shelves and start thinking, where could your book belong? Like, what would it be about? Which shelf? Which category? And and how would it be different from the ones that are already there? And this way, you might already develop uh, your book idea. And three, just take the next step, just one step. Because, you know, a journey of a thousand miles, I think that's called, starts with the first step. So take it. And you might find that that's going to lead you to um, an incredibly successful path and open doors that you never even thought could be opened. Great. Great. I love that. So Alinka, what is the best way for people to uh, get in touch with you? If they want to work with you, they have questions, where, where should they, they reach out to you? The best place to go is leaderspress.com slash discover, where you'll go through a one minute quiz that will tell you which book is best for you. Because we talked about lead gen, we talked about legacy pieces, uh, short books, anthologies. So this quiz in one minute will tell you which one. And you'll also get an audiobook, because I know you like to listen. You're going to get an audiobook of Outsource Your Book, which goes through the 17 steps needed to get your book out. And that's all at leaderspress.com slash discover. Well, Liga, this was uh, so great. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad we uh, finally get, got to have this conversation. Um, I, I love the work that you're doing. I appreciate the way how you're helping authors and entrepreneurs uh, get their work out in the world and you're helping a lot of people. So feel good about that. And so glad that you could stop by the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Well, there you have it, my friends. Alinka Rutkowska, go check out 
Leaders Press. I'll put all her information in the show notes. You can see the work she's doing. And if you need to find someone to work with you on a book project, she would be a great resource to seek out. So thank you, Alinka, for helping us, encouraging us, giving us your wisdom, your insight, showing us how we can make good art and get it into the world. And hopefully that's the, the takeaway for you today is not just making the art, not just getting the thing out there, which is the, the most difficult part, uh, but also saying, what, what is it that people want? What are people looking for? How can I solve a problem? How can I help them? And sometimes just asking those questions really help us shape the thing that we're making. And, and so be thinking about that. Whatever you're, you're making, whatever you're sharing, whatever you're building these days, is, is this something that people want? Is this something that is solving a problem? Is this something that can help someone? And sometimes the, the problem isn't, practical, like how to build a business or how to, you know, train your dog, but it can be solving the problem of it's giving people a few minutes of leisure, a few minutes of escape, a few minutes to just enjoy your music or your book or whatever the thing is you're making. So, so be thinking about that. And as always, thank you for stopping by the prolific creator. I am your host, Ryan J. Pelton. I'm so thankful for all of our listeners. And as you might've heard a few ads seeping through our feed, um, we don't love having ads, but we know ads help keep the show going. But if you'd like an ad free experience, we do have our Acast plus membership, uh, three or $5. You can check that out on the show notes as well. If you'd like an ad free experience, there's some other cool bonuses that come with that as well. Uh, also, if you enjoy this show, uh, please leave a, a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps us get the word out. It really helps us uh, keep things going. So we really appreciate all of you that listen. We really hope that you are uh, taking these things and putting them into your creative creator artist toolbox. And if you have any questions for me or there's people that you want to put on the show or you want to have me talk with um, or interviews that you want me to do, please let me know. I'd love to track them down and get them on the show. So that'd be really awesome. So I hope you're doing well. And before I go, I do have one more thing to say. Go make some great art with your life. And I will talk to you very well soon.